Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, of Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg, as it is a Wednesday evening when we record, Thursday morning when you listen. And that means one thing, another NFL rotation to dive into as it is NFL Week 11 as the calendar is right into the thick of November. Thanksgiving is next week. And uh, it's a fun time of year, holiday fever for some people already in full force. I'm kind of waiting for Thanksgiving to really get in the spirit. But speaking of get in the spirit, what better way to do it than to run through another rotation of NFL games. And to do more of that, we bring in our jack of all trades from Full Slate, the manager of our podcast Twitter and uh, our co-host here uh, produces uh, plenty of other things for the podcast as well. He is Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod with the podcast Twitter. Alex, good to have you back on board. <laughs> what What is good, dude? It's great to be back. I'm just, you know, it's upsetting to see another week go down, but I do want to give out. A shout out to my George Mason Patriots taking down Maryland. <laughs> He's on his high horse. As eleven dogs, I said, just bet the Patriots plus eleven. It's free money. They went outright. You love to see it. You love to see that. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're they're. Uh, can I ask where were they picked preseason in the A10? Oh, they were like eighth. I got I got George Mason like eighty-five to one to win the A10. But obviously, obviously, yeah, none of these, these, none of these games, games matter. But it's it's still fun to watch. Gotta be feeling good. Yeah, college hoops underway as uh, we are a little over a week now into the college basketball season and. Uh, I went three and two on the college hardwood tonight. I was sweating it a little bit, but maybe a little unnecessarily so on St. John's tonight, plus five. Uh, but they did get there uh, for me as my fifth side of the night in college basketball. So three and two for me on the college hardwood. Certainly plenty of college basketball as fall turns winter in particular with me and Bill Christie here on this very podcast. We're planning on talking some college football this week as well. And in the spirit of uh, all of the athletic events going on right now at the professional or collegiate level, might as well be a good time to plug our buddies over at Betcha as uh, they have uh, joined as a sponsor for our pod. And we just want to give them a shout out and let anybody know that's tuning in. If you download the Betcha app to get $5 of Betcha bucks, you can use the promo code full slate and they will match a deposit of up to $50. Uh, we've been kind of talking about some of our plays and our, uh, you know, little head-to-head showdown stuff with the NFL. Alex, I imagine you've had a lot of fun just uh, mixing and matching on the app there. Oh, absolutely, dude. I know you, you took me to the woodshed last week. I, you had uh, Roethlisberger under, and then you had Fields over, which Fields over was an absolute gift. I did not expect the Steelers defense to come out that flat. And the other week you had that and that looked yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, every now and then a blind squirrel finds a nut, I guess is a saying. Cause uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think that here's a thing with props. I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I think it's harder on one hand for the bookmakers to put numbers on those on the passing yards and the rushing yards and all the other props that are out there but i think because it's like so it's a less efficient market in that regard but i always struggle sometimes myself then looking at it sometimes there's a prop here or there that i'll look to attack but uh trying to figure out a, a number that i feel is is too low or too high uh, when it comes to the Absolutely. variance of passing yardage or rushing yardage outputs can be uh, a whole nother ball game. Oh, for sure. And that's why I think this is the best market to attack. The, the oh, for player sure. prop yeah. markets are, are so juicy. Like just thinking about that, the one you had, I mean, it was about like 187 for. Yeah. And, and, and part of my thinking was like, them. obviously there wasn't a lot of uh, data to look at with fields, but I just kind of figured, well, in today's, they were were the worst, they were the worst passing offense in the NFL. They were, they go up against the Steelers and he absolutely shredded them. Yeah. I mean, uh, gosh, I feel like the Steelers for you would know as a Steelers guy, but this is just my hunch. Like it's been a good five, 10 years now where, they've had like a formidable secondary. I feel like their defenses of recent years have been all front seven laid in, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, the secondary is very much attackable. It's, it's woeful. It's, 
it's really all on Cameron Hayward and Watt, and that's really about it. It's it's all about the front. It's all about sure. the front seven. That's about all they have right now. Well, we'll certainly circle back to the Pittsburgh Steelers towards the end of the show as the black and gold are out in Southern California this weekend to take on the L.A. Chargers. But let's start with a primetime game on Thursday evening down in Hotlanta as the Atlanta Falcons are welcoming in the New England Patriots for a Thursday night tilt. And we're seeing New England getting a lot of respect in the betting market now with the Patriots laying a full touchdown on the road, a total in this game of 47. Looks like there's some seven and a halves. Bet online at least is at seven and a half, but I believe most shops are at seven on this game. Uh, and Alex, I'll start. We're going to echo similar sentiments here, but I think the only way you can look, and it's actually a side I like, is to the home dog with the Falcons getting the touchdown. Uh, I know you mentioned a trend that I won't take your thunder from here on uh, the Falcons and how it kind of lends itself towards home dogs getting that got blown out the week prior. Uh, I'll let you, as I said, read the specific trend in just a second. But uh, I, I think it, this is just a vintage spot that I look at and think of as a buy low, sell high. Uh, I would say recency bias, but New England has really put it together for quite a while now. I think it's a four or five game winning streak for the Patriots. And so I think they are certainly to be respected in the AFC landscape. And I've been, if you've tuned in every week, I've been banging the drum for new England. I've bet them four or five weeks in a row, cashing repeatedly on the Patriots uh, against the spread as uh, they've haven't been in this. And, 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 and that's kind of why I am interested in fading them here and taking Atlanta because the spreads, the market really hasn't adjusted up until now with new England. They were a very small favorite last week against Cleveland. They were almost a touchdown underdog a few weeks back in Los Angeles and at SoFi against the Chargers and, you know, a very small favorite on the road against Carolina. And so here are the Patriots now finally getting respect in the betting market. And I think this is just the uh, kind of uh, focal point, And uh, I, I can't really think of w the word for what I'm trying to get at, but this is everything that I preach when it comes to handicapping the NFL is the fact that you want to try and find the, you know, the buy low sell high spots. And you want to try and, you know, buy your stock at the bottom of the market and sell your stock at the top of the market. And I think that new England is a perfect example of that. All these games that they were, you know, like, for example, they're seven point road favorites. Now they were seven point home favorites against the New York jets. So I, I think, and that was also amidst this run of uh, winning streak for New England. So I just think repeatedly as New England turned the corner, really after that Tampa game when they almost won it anyway, uh, you saw a, a hesitancy from bookmakers to buy in. And now uh, I think to some extent the hands of oddsmakers are being tipped because we're we've it feels like we're back in the Brady days where the Patriots are a mega public side and it's just money on New England driving this lineup to a touchdown. So I really like the idea of buying low on the home dog here with Atlanta. Again, they have been – throw the game out against Dallas. They didn't have it. Alex, you were all over the Cowboys last week. It was a great call. And if you look at Atlanta, though, I still think that 
it's a team that I liked preseason. I'm a big Arthur Smith guy. I have them over seven and a half wins. Looks like that could be pretty sweaty down the stretch as we hit the second half of the regular season now. But having said all of that, you know, it's an Atlanta team that, you know, went to the Superdome not that long ago and won and, you know, found a way maybe unconvincingly, but, uh, you know, they were able to, I, I think they won that London game against the Jets. I'm going to have to double check now. But um, they did. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. OK, yeah, I, I was going to say uh, they were I felt like there were a lot. There were some wins recently for the Falcons where it maybe wasn't always impressive. But the Falcons at the same time aren't a team you expect to wow everybody week in and week out. And so the point I'm making is it just felt like Atlanta uh, prior to the Dallas game was kind of finding its stride a little bit. One of those other unimpressive wins was a short two-point victory on the road against the Miami Dolphins. So, again, point being, I think Atlanta at four and five, you don't want to, you know, over-hype up a four and five team too much. But I think that they had enough going for them prior to that Dallas game to where I'm confident that they can kind of find themselves again. And it was just a blip on the radar screen. Remember, another game that they lost earlier in the season that they probably should have won. Alex, you probably had it in your home market there. The Washington football team going down to Atlanta in what ended up being a real crazy finish. And the Falcons on the wrong end of that one. So I like Atlanta. I think they're uh, a little bit better than that four and five record. Wouldn't be surprised if they hang around in the wild card mix uh, into December. Uh, And it's a great sell high spot on New England. Last thing on this game. It's not keeping me off it, but I did find this interesting. New England 4-0 straight up on the road, 3-1 against the spread on the road. Atlanta 0-3 both straight up and against the spread at home. So I I think that's uh, curious to say the least. But again, particularly with those New England numbers, we haven't seen them in this kind of price range on the road. Uh, And I believe that one non-cover, which they won outright, was against the Houston Texans. So I I like Atlanta. It's a match play for me, plus a seven. Um, And uh, I'll let you take it from here and uh, read your specific trend that is pro-Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. And like what you were saying, it's a short week. It's a rookie quarterback on the road. But then you see the trend that teams that – have lost by 30 points or more the last week, which is the Falcons. They're 71, 52, and 5 against a spread when home dogs. So that's going to be Atlanta. That's 57.7% against the spread. So I really like Atlanta here as getting a touchdown. It just it feels like too much. That's very much high spread for a home favorite. Yeah, I, I really like Atlanta here, but I I did see late that Damian Harris, he cleared percussion concussion Road protocol. favorite, sorry. by the way. Road favorite, yes, sorry. So, yeah, road favorite. That's still 57.7%. Yeah, I, I like Atlanta here for sure. I think they can keep this close. Like, I just don't see why the Patriots want to blow them out. And then you have a rookie quarterback on the road. It's kind of concerning for sure. We obviously know the Falcons just got blown out on the road in Dallas, but they come back home and then they have the Patriots on a short, short time. But 
Yeah, I like this number a lot. Well, last thing here, I think that the uh, the point about the trend with the teams that lose by at least 30 points is twofold. First off, uh, just from a pure gambling standpoint, I think that also kind of drives up the spread when you see teams uh, with big margin, either as the losing team or as the winning team. And in this case, we have that going in each direction with New England coming off of a blowout win against Cleveland and Atlanta having a blowout loss against Dallas. So I think that big margin means more to the odds makers than it actually does the teams. And and kind of my second point, uh, why I think that's a good trend is I think, and again, I'm not in an NFL locker room, but I would think if I'm going to lose in, in a sense, in terms of picking yourself back up and the emotions of it, I'd argue it's easier to just come back to work the next day after you've gotten your ass kicked. Because what I'm getting at is if the game's over by, I mean, that was over at the end of the first quarter last week, Dallas, Atlanta. But if it's over and, you know, the whole second half, you're just playing out the string, doesn't it just feel easier to just turn the page and say, oh, this is a clunker. Let's move on, as opposed to, you know, the last time Atlanta went to Dallas and they blow this big lead. And, you know, it was the demise of Dan Quinn as the head coach there with Atlanta. So I think that if I'm going to lose a game. Patriots coming off a huge win. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. Just a massive I, I win against the Browns who we thought were Mentally good. Yeah. and the psyche yeah. of these teams to come back yeah. when you get your ass kicked and just say back to the drawing board as opposed to a very emotional, you know, gut-wrenching, blood, sweat, and tears type of loss. It's just a thought. No, I completely agree. I think that it's definitely harder to get up when you're coming off a massive win and when you're going on the road as well. Yeah, I, I think it's a tough spot as a rookie quarterback. But, you know, Bill Belichick is obviously going to get them up. They have one of the better defenses in the NFL, but – yeah, this is just the perfect spot to buy low on the Falcons. I think seven points is definitely too high. And a sell high on New England to an extent as well, even though I do think the better play recently for New England more real than fake. And I would expect the Patriots to find their way into the postseason in some way, shape, or form. Let's go to the AFC North where we have the Cleveland Browns. Uh, hosting the Detroit Lions. It is kind of weird seeing these teams, not that it's uh, too out of the ordinary, but seeing these two teams, given how close they are located geographically, only playing once every four years with the uh, you know difference in the conferences. Uh, but nonetheless, the Detroit Lions traveling to Lake Erie to take on the Browns. Uh, and it looks like Cleveland is a hefty favorite in this game, laying 11, total of 43. I'm not going to play this game, but I do think you have to lean to the Cleveland side. I talked about, uh, I've mentioned this before. I think the Lions are a very interesting case study against the spread this year. They have zigzagged their way to uh, five and four against the spread. Of course, it's week 11. Detroit has already had its bye week, but the Lions have zigzagged their way to five and four against the number, uh, and they've just been going back and forth. They started with a week one cover uh, through the back door in the closing number against San Francisco. 
And uh, it feels like, Alex, every week we do this with the Lions. And I'm starting to understand why this is happening. Because every week we see the Lions, whether it be against San Francisco or a couple weeks later against Baltimore on the Tucker field goal. And it's like, oh, you know, Lions, like they're they're close. You know, they're, they're playing hard for Dan Campbell. They're fighting, you know, battling their asses off every week. And so that and that's after we see them cover a number against a team in which they're greater than seven point underdogs against or whatever. And then the Lions become a trendy dog the following week. And then they look like the Lions and they get blown out by the Bengals or they get blown out by the Eagles or they get blown out, uh, quote unquote, by the Bears. There's only 10, but that's a blowout for the Bears, you know, so things like that where you don't fully like you, you hop on the Lions and then they remind you why they're the Lions. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here in the sense that, okay, now I know it was Mason Rudolph, but the Lions tied the Steelers. And it feels like another spot where people would be like, oh, Lions are getting, you know, can't get any closer to, you know, breaking your winless season than a tie. You know, then the only, only thing you can do then is win. And here they are getting 11 points. Of course, you're going to take the Lions plus 11. So I feel like this is another trendy dog Lions week where, you have to fade them or not play this game. 67% of the tickets on the Action Network are on Detroit here. So uh, I think that all of what I'm saying kind of checks out with the Lions. And I mean, also just Cleveland laying 11 and and the Browns only scored, what, seven last week. So I I think that's another kind of tell that if you're going to play this game, uh, you got to kind of play that side that kind of initially looks at you and says, oh, Cleveland laying 11 points. Are you kidding me? Uh, but uh, I, I I won't play this game, but I would lean to the Browns. No, I completely agree. I would I would lean the Browns, if anything. But I think the Baker Mayfield stuff is just too up in the air to to really get get down on this game. And I would be more confident in the Browns with Case Keenum than I am with a sure. injured yeah. Baker Mayfield, like which we've discussed. So like, Baker Mayfield injured is just not really running his offense, but it's also such a simplistic offense with that running game that we we think they can really put up enough against a a Detroit Lions team that is not really fighting back against anyone right now. I mean, they they had a good game against the Sears, but that was Mason Rudolph and. I think he might be one of the worst backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So I'm not, I'm not so sure that that tie is really good for anyone. Indicative, it, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not something to look at. So yeah, can you can't look at it and be like, Oh, lines are close. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't think they're that close yet. So I think it's, it's Browns or pass. I, would not play this game. I don't I don't think anyone should really. Let's head back down south and go to the Jacksonville Jaguars as they welcome in the San Francisco 49ers to Duval. And San Francisco is uh, quickly getting respect again in the betting market, laying six on the road, total 45 and a half. And Alex, I talked about it. I'm going to be on the Jags here. I mean, I think it's the only side you can play. Uh, first, I'll start with a, 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 a pro-Jacksonville angle. 
if you buy Jacksonville's more competitive stretch lately, three and one against the spread last four games. And I think if you buy that, at least to an extent, you have to play them here. And, you know, I, I think the thing of it is, is whether it be the Jags or any of these other bad teams, particularly when it comes to the betting market, first off, you're not just going to be able to blindly continue to fade them. You're going to see them start any, all the teams in the NFL start to cover spreads. But secondly, I think that there's also an element here where as much as we want to trash Urban Meyer, and rightfully so, he still has NFL players on his roster. Like, it's still, like, it's not, NFL players aren't going to want to just go out every week and get their asses handed to them. And so I think that the Jags kind of awakening, if you will, and just being more competitive, and obviously in our space, that means covering spreads. I'm not that surprised by it because I just think at the end of the day, as awful as they've been at times, it's a bunch of grown men who play football for a living and eventually are going to say enough's enough. And obviously the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, a lot to still prove as it's been an underwhelming rookie season for him. So all of those are reasons why I think Jacksonville has been a little more competitive lately. Then you go to the San Francisco side of this and the 49ers have just been a weird team all season as they come into this game at four and five, you know, they were kicking the crap out of the lions the first game of the season and should have covered that game. And they looked like the San Francisco team that everybody, you know, saw get to the super bowl a few years ago and had a lot of faith. And that was week one. They go to Philadelphia and they win uh, in a cross country travel game in week two. So they're two and zero, but things really got out of control for the Niners. And the, you know, after that, losing a tight game at the buzzer on a walk-off field goal from Mason Crosby, uh, losing at home against Seattle by a touchdown. I think it ended up being four or five in a row that they lost. That monsoon game against the Indianapolis Colts did not go the way of San Francisco either. So, you know, it was all of a sudden the 49ers found themselves in the cellar of the AFC and NFC West, excuse me. And then they came back and when it looked like all hope was kind of lost or they were hanging by a thread, they throw a 31-10 score up there on Monday Night Football for everybody to see against the Rams. And so now, clearly, with San Francisco laying six on the road, this number is saying, well, the 49ers are back. And I just can't quite subscribe to that narrative at this particular juncture. And we've talked, too, about Kyle Shanahan. I had the 49ers last week, Monday Night Football, home dog. Shanahan's been excellent against Sean McVay head-to-head in his career. And yet, you know, I just don't think that, you know, I thought the spot made sense to take San Francisco last week. I think the spot makes sense to fade them here. Short week, cross-country travel, you know, the one hesitancy I have here, not enough to keep me off the Jags, I'm going to play them plus the six, is if San Francisco does have a continued sense of urgency, given the fact that at four and five, the 49ers obviously need to keep winning and need to you know, give themselves as best a chance as possible here in the wild card hunt in the NFC. Having said all that, 29% of the tickets on the Jags, 66% of the money, though, on Jacksonville. So certainly... An interesting indicator there. I really just am not ready to start trusting the 49ers again as six-point road chalk, despite an impressive performance against the Rams. And as I said, Jags, 
there's got to at least be a little more belief in that locker room, given the fact that the last month they've looked like an NFL team for the most part. So I like the Jags plus six. Yeah, there's no there's no one here more anti Urban Meyer than than this podcast and especially me. But <laughs> I, I would say on the flip side, I I might be more anti Kyle Shanahan as a as a favorite, especially a road favorite. You cannot trust this guy on the road. Niners are two and five against the spread this year as a favorite. You just cannot trust Kyle Shannon in the favorite role. Like last week, what you were saying, spot on. Like that was a perfect spot. Home dog against a team you dominate. You know the Niners are getting up for that at home. But now you travel out to like sleepy ass Jacksonville. It's just such a spot that you can, it's such a letdown spot. I love I love the points here. You just do not trust Kyle Shanahan as a favorite. He's right. Not good. Exactly. It's a vintage. It's, it seems like spot. such a such a letdown spot. Just Big win Monday Jackson Night Football Bill. against the Rams. Right. Now you got to go cross country. Divisional divisional game against the Jags. Yep. Yeah. But like, why would why would we get up for this? Yeah. And I, like I, I said, like the, the only thing that would answer that is because. They still need to win these games. I mean, if, if I would, I would be betting. These are huge, huge games, huge games. Right, like these I, are must-win games. It's weird to say, but I would make a bigger bet on the Jags if the 49ers were in first place in the in the NFC West, because that's when you really expect them to be flat. Right, when it did, when it doesn't matter. Yeah, when it's a divisional game where you're big, already yeah, comfortable. Seven if right. San Francisco is in first place, so. Obviously, give and take there, but yeah. uh, I still think 49ers could be flat. And, uh, you know, just because they beat the Rams, a team that they've owned under Kyle Shanahan, I don't think that necessarily means that they're back uh, just yet. So uh, we've talked about it before, how sometimes you need these teams to follow up big wins with, uh, you know, if the Niners go there and win by two touchdowns, you know, I'll say, yeah, you know, I know it's the Jags, but avoiding the flat spots and just, continuing to move the train forward is easier said than done. So I will uh, gladly lose a bet if the Jags, uh, if the 49ers rather prove that they are, uh, they are indeed back. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, Speaking of back, well, do you think the Buffalo bills have quickly restored order after an embarrassing loss a couple weeks ago against those very Jacksonville Jaguars, Buffalo clobbers, the New York jets, albeit, they got plenty of favors from Mike White last week at MetLife Stadium. And the Buffalo Bills now welcome in the Indianapolis Colts to Western New York. And Buffalo is laying seven with a total of 50 in this game. Certainly a lot so of... I thought, I thought Mike White was the, the the franchise fucking savior. I thought Mike I thought Mike White saved the Jets two weeks ago. And now, yeah. he's, and now he's benched for Joe Flacco. Yeah, we'll get to that game in just a second. <laughs> yeah, we will, Next one in the rotation. How the hell is that? But here's the thing. I am not going to play this. And I know you like Indy. So I'll let you do most of the talking on this game. But I think I'll kind of lead you into your point. I still think Buffalo is a little hard to trust at this price range at this particular time. Because they got plenty of favors from Mike White last week, as we said. And... If you don't think Carson Wentz is giving them those favors, then I don't know that Buffalo is 
a touchdown better than Indianapolis, given that these two teams met in the playoffs last year. I believe it was the same line, and Indianapolis covered the game. So I'm inclined to think that this is just a little bit of a tax on a Buffalo team that everybody kind of looked at as a top dog in the AFC before the season started, probably had them as the favorites after they won that Sunday night game at Arrowhead. And can we say cruise control? Because that's what it feels like Buffalo's doing right now. We had them both a few weeks back when they came out of their bye against Miami, laying 13 in the hook, and they just barely got through the front door with the cover play there in the last couple minutes of regulation. So it's just been a Buffalo team that we talked about maybe San Francisco sleepwalking its way to Jacksonville this weekend. I feel like Buffalo has been sleepwalking for the better part of the last month. And obviously New England has closed the gap in the AFC East. So I am not there with Buffalo as a seven point favorite against anyone right now. And I know you like Indy. Yeah, I love the Colts in this spot. It, they're just so reliable on both sides of the trenches. Like I love Indy. They got one of the best running backs in the game. Just feels like a game they can really pound the rock and just keep this low scoring, especially in Buffalo. I mean, these are both very solid defenses, but you would think that the Colts offensive line can kind of dominate here and that their defensive line can really keep this close. I I just trust the Colts in the trenches, and this is in Buffalo. It's going to be a cold game. You think this is going to be close? This feels like a playoff game. The Colts, a touchdown plus seven, it feels like too many points to give the Bills at home. Like we saw the Jaguars really expose them. They scored six fucking points. Are we, are we forgetting that game? Are we just throwing that out the window? I feel like they can definitely keep this close on the ground and really run the clock. It's a huge if, though, Wentz mistakes. Like If he throws one of those dumbass interceptions for a touchdown, then then, yeah, obviously the Bills are going to run away. But Josh Allen, he's a top quarterback, but definitely was exposed against the Jaguars. So I think the Colts can keep this very much close. Yeah, that's well said. I, I think just because you beat the Jets the way Buffalo did doesn't mean you should, get, you should forget about that total egg that Buffalo laid in Duval a couple of weeks ago. So. It's six, uh, six points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Exactly. That's one of the <laughs> worst defenses in the NFL, and he scored six points. Without further ado, speaking of teams that lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's get to the Miami Dolphins traveling to the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and it is Miami. A juiced three might get to three and a half, probably is at some books, on the road against the New York Jets. And the total in this game is 44 and a half. And I got to do it. I have to take the Jets here as as Joe Flacco is going to step in and start. Looks like Zach Wilson still not ready to go for gang green. But I have to think there's some recency bias with this number. Dolphins have won back to back games. 
The most recent one was a nationally televised Thursday night primetime game against Baltimore. And here are the Dolphins laying three points on the road. It was a Dolphins team that just had one win a couple of weeks ago. That other win, in addition to the Ravens win for Miami, was against the lowly Houston Texans. So all of this is to say that it is still a Dolphins team that lost on a neutral field against the Jacksonville Jaguars in London about a month ago. So this feels just crazy that the Dolphins are three-point road favorites against anyone unless you're more of a believer of, well, the team that beat New England week one is starting to show up again. And I certainly am not that believer. So I think Miami stinks, and I don't think they should be three-point road favorites against anyone. So that's a blind bet on the opponent for me. And then – Conversely, you look at the Jets. I mentioned Flacco. I think that actually might be a good thing here because you have a veteran quarterback who I trust to just make better decisions and to not turn the ball over. I don't see Miami getting any free points here. You know, Jets, home dog, team that's been struggling, rises to the occasion and seizes an opportunity late to win a football game. I do think I'll take the three, but I really like the Jets here uh, to uh, get it done. On their home field. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want anything to do with this, but the Dolphins are 28th in the NFL. They only scored 17.7 points per game, so that's actually lower than what the Jets score. The Jets put up 17.9. This is just very much a stay away game, but I definitely don't hate. Laying the number here with what you're saying, taking the points, but yeah, the the Dolphins' offense is very very bad. So I wish you the best of luck. I I hope I don't see this game on TV. Oh, it's total corner TV at the bar game. Yes, this is a bad one. This is this is going to be uh, typical like fourteen to. The twelfth, the jet, the Jets are going to get a a safety here. I'm going to cover. <laughs> I will take it. Uh, let's move forward and go to Charlotte, where uh, you know we might not see either one of these teams in the playoffs, but it is an interesting game between the Washington Football Team and the Carolina Panthers for a multitude of reasons. Of course, Ron Rivera facing his old team for the first time, I think, since he was let go by Carolina. I could be wrong on that. Alex, you would know. Is this the first time? No, you're right. You're right. Okay. This is also I know I know you like a good revenge game. I got one for you. Oh this is what, Josh Josh Norman? No, he's not with no. Washington anymore. <laughs> no. Josh I think Josh Norman Josh Norman is in uh San Francisco, San Francisco right? getting burned, yeah. This is a Joey Sly revenge game. He got oh, cut God, by the, the Panthers kicker. and signed by and signed by Washington. Yeah, you love a good revenge game. I mean, Joey I don't Sly's know if I love gonna Dallas, come back. But oh my God, Joey Sly's gonna come back and kick fifteen field goals. Love but this is a uh, consensus early move for us on Washington, and doesn't look like this number. Actually, it may have moved, if anything, a little bit against us. Looks like some three and a halves are out there with Carolina laying at home, total 43. Um, but I'll start with Washington. First off, actually, I want to start with the anti-Carolina angle. 
I just don't think, even though Carolina won last week in the desert against Arizona, albeit an Arizona team that was without Kyler Murray, I don't think Carolina has – I think their entire body of work since the 3-0 and start has just indicated that you can't trust them. Like, it's, it's a hard team to bet on because – the quarterback situation, it's, you know, I think it's probably going to be Cam Newton here. Uh, but, you know, Sam Darnold just really spiraled out of control there in October. And, you know, so that's one thing. And obviously the defense early in the season was the uh, beneficiary of some not very good offenses on the schedule. The Davis Mills first start was against Carolina. Uh, for Houston on a Thursday night short week, that was just a brutal spot for him. You know, they played Zach Wilson week one in his first NFL game. The Saints had all those COVID problems in week two. So a lot of things lined up for Carolina early on. But since then, I mean, I mentioned that month of October, they lost to the Panthers at home, the Eagles at home, and the Giants on the road three consecutive weeks. Like, that's probably three non-playoff teams and they lost to two of those three two of those three at home and it was three consecutive weeks so bottom line Carolina is just a run-of-the-mill seven eight win team and I don't I'm not saying Washington is necessarily any more than that but I do think Washington to transition now to the kind of pro-Washington angle. I like the Ron Rivera revenge game, but I also like the fact that I think the Washington defense might be waking up a little bit. And it was a defense that got rightfully criticized for the better part of the first six weeks or so of the season. But let's look at their last three games. They allowed just 24 points and only 304 total yards against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Then it was only 17 points allowed and 273 total yards against Denver, albeit the Green Bay and Denver games were losses for Washington as their offense wasn't able to do enough to help out a defense that played well. And then, ironically enough, against Tampa, the identical 273 opponent yardage output that we saw Denver put up against Washington, that's what Tampa had last week and only 19 points scored. So those last three weeks especially Tampa and Green Bay, you've seen some marquee offenses go up against the Washington defense, and the Washington defense has looked like the Washington defense of the preseason. Now, Chase Young is obviously going to be out for the year with that torn ACL, so that's maybe a little bit of a worry point here. But again, the uncertainty for Carolina at quarterback, how up to speed is Cam with this Joe Brady offense if he does start? I I think the Washington defense has its way with the Carolina offense and is able to keep this game low scoring enough to where even if Washington's offense lets it down again, I still think they cover this game. Washington plus the points for me on the road. Yeah, I completely agree. I was, I was actually very impressed with what they did very much through the secondary. I was impressed with what they did against Tampa you saw that 19 points against Tom Brady, and you heard uh, your Bruce Aarons was very upset with with what they did. He was throwing Tom Brady under the bus, and 
that's very much in the second. William Jackson third stepping up, and it's really good to see that the Washington defense is actually playing up to what they should have been. But you did see the Carolina team. They, they definitely dominated. I'm definitely playing Washington here with the points. I think their defense has really turned a corner, but I guess we'll see this week. But I like I like Washington a lot. I do I do I like their uh, I like their secondary a lot. And McCaffrey would be my biggest worry. PJ Walker, they're going to be splitting time here. I would think Cam Newton is not going to rush out here to start. I know uh, Matt Rule was saying he's leaning Cam Newton, but I think it's going to be P.J. Walker starting and then throwing and Cam Newton coming in certain packages. But, yeah, I, I would definitely go Washington here. So a little agreement on the Washington football team for consensus play in week number 11 in the NFL Let's go from one team with an Ohio State product in Chase Young that is not on the field to another team with an Ohio State product heavily featured on its roster that will be on the field on Sunday. And that, of course, is Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears welcoming in the Baltimore Ravens to Soldier Field. Baltimore laying four and the hook on the road. Total in this game sits at, looks like, 45 uh, and Alex, originally we had talked in our spaces conversation on Sunday night. I was thinking maybe Chicago would be the side on the basis that six felt a little high. That was the opening number, and it has been bet down. No, I did not take the six right away. It wasn't one I felt super passionate about to play early, but I was kind of thinking, eh, you know, Baltimore and Lamar offensively didn't look to really have it against Miami. Good defense in Chicago, uh, Bears offensively. We talked about it at the beginning of the show that fields over passing yards prop hit for me pretty easily a couple of weeks ago now. Chicago also coming out of a bye week. So all of those were kind of angles that made me think the dog might be live here. But then at the end of the day, I just said to myself, do I really want to fade John Harbaugh with extra time to prepare Obviously, Chicago a little bit more of a rest advantage coming out of its buy, but the mini buy for Baltimore in effect here. And do I really want to fade a coach as good and well respected as John Harbaugh, not only with extra time to prepare, but off of a loss? Doesn't feel like something I can get down with. I'll pass this game, uh, but I guess the slightest of leans yeah. off my initial play on Chicago. Yeah. Was initially <laughs> leaning Chicago, but Matt Aggie also one of the worst coaches in the NFL. And then you see McKean Hicks didn't practice today. Eddie Jackson didn't practice today. Khalil Mack didn't practice today. There's just too many question marks here, especially with Matt Nagy as one of the worst coaches in the NFL. I know we were looking <laughs> earlier in the season, seeing when he would get fired, but Justin Fields kind of saved him here. Yeah, this is definitely a pass for me as well. Let's keep things moving and go to Lincoln Financial Field, where we have an interesting line to discuss in the 
Philadelphia-New Orleans game is. It's the Eagles, a short home favorite in this game of one and a half points. Very low total, just 43. I think that's kind of par for the course when the New Orleans Saints take the field. Uh, having said all that, Alex, I have a trend here on Sean Payton off a loss. Talked about John Harbaugh off a loss. I looked it up because I lean with New Orleans here. Sean Payton off of a loss that dates back to 2006 as the head coach with the New Orleans Saints. 55 and 34 against the spread. That's a 61.8% cover rate. The best team coming off of a loss since 2006 is New England, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Patriots cover at a 63.5% clip since 2006 off a loss. So obviously 2006 being when Peyton took over for the New Orleans Saints. And uh, the Saints have been, I, I think the basic premise is good coaches respond off losses. It's not just Bill Belichick. So that's the first thing. The second thing here, I do think I'm going to attack this game differently. I think I would play the Eagles team total under. Because if you like New Orleans, then you you have to expect the defense to kind of keep Jalen Hurts under wraps. And you would expect Marshawn Lattimore, uh, you know, looks and I don't off the hand, I don't watch enough Saints to know if he shadows or not. But you would expect uh, the Saints secondary to really try and blanket Devonta Smith, who looked pretty good for the Eagles last week in Denver. So having said all this, I think I would just sooner, if you like the Saints, I think I would just sooner play the Eagles team total under, maybe maybe even the first half team total under, on the basis that New Orleans was chasing the game most of the way against Tennessee last week. And if New Orleans is to be successful, like they are not built to come from behind. So I think if the Saints, the Saints really need to come out and set the tone early and go into the locker room up like 10-3 or something in this game. So I would play the Eagles team total under, uh, and I would also look at it under in the first half. Yeah, I was thinking this This feels like one of the better mismatches for coaching-wise. Sean Payne versus Nick Sirianni. This feels like a huge mismatch, and Sean Payne as an underdog, I just can't imagine betting against that. I'm, I'm with you on that team total under it. Nick Sirianni seems like one of the one-and-done coaches in the NFL. I can't imagine he's back next year. And yeah, I I love the Saints as an underdog role here, especially what you're saying, Sean Payton, great coach off the underdog role. And yeah, I, I think a team total under is probably better than laying it with the Saints because I just – I don't well, trust their quarterback position. Yeah, and I I don't trust their uh, the quarterbacks at all. It's kind of that's the only thing that makes me nervous is the Saints quarterbacks. Are we trusting Trevor Simeon to go into yeah. Philadelphia? But we don't really like Philly as a home yeah, favorite. Yeah, I mean, Eagles. And I, I mean, I'm an Eagles fan, but they're getting some love is like a sneaky playoff team. And I just, I mean, I get it. There's that seventh seed. Oh, now. Like Jalen Hurts has looked, Jalen Hurts has looked really he's looked good, good. For the last couple. Remember, yeah, the last the two last wins for the Eagles are the Lions and the Broncos. And right. they let the game get away exactly. against the Chargers. So, you know, it, I don't know. It, yeah. It well, I think that's more the coaching aspect as well. I, I don't think Nick and, Sirianni. Right. 
Which, if you think that, then you have to like New Orleans here even more, as you were alluding to. Absolutely. Let's keep things moving as we uh, inch ever closer to the late afternoon kicks. Uh, We do have a couple of uh, final games to wrap up in the early window, and we're going to start in Nashville, where the Tennessee Titans welcome in the Houston Texans. Tennessee laying a full 10 in this game, total of 44.5. You know, Alex, I know you've been kind of the ringleader of the plug your nose and bet the Houston Texans fan club. I'm not sure how big of a fan club it is, but um, there's only there's like five of us. You've been one of them. uh, And (laughs) this certainly seems like a situational spot to do just that, because the Tennessee Titans are on top of the world. They're in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the AFC. And all of a sudden now after, you know, early on in the season, they didn't look great. They got blown out by Arizona week one. They were behind against uh, Seattle early, had to rally and come back in that game. Uh, But now all of those things early on in the year, they lost to the Jets. You know, that's all going away. And the Titans are, in some people's eyes, the favorite in an AFC that does look to be pretty open and you can make a case for right. a lot of that's, different teams. That's the best. The, the Titans are the best team in the NFL, right? right? That's what everybody's saying now about the <laughs> Titans. And guess what? Here are the lowly Houston Texans on the schedule. Houston coming out of a bye. So we would expect them to be focused and had you know, healthier. A little bit of a look ahead maybe, too, for Tennessee with a trip to Foxborough on deck. This look ahead element might be ramped up. If New England is to win again on Thursday night and the Titans kind of have Friday and Saturday to think more about that game coming up right after Thanksgiving against Tennessee or excuse me, against New England. So uh, I think it's Texans are pass, but it's probably more of a pass for me just because the Texans are yeah. seem to be a completely lifeless team. <laughs> yeah, they do feel lifeless. I, I agree, but. I think 10 is too many points to lay on, even against Tennessee. I mean, this is the best team in the NFL, and like you are saying, the, the Texans are lifeless, but Torah Taylor coming off the bar, you know, he's shaking off a little rust here. I don't know. I, th- I think you have to either go Texans or pass for sure. That's the only way I would look. Yeah, I, I still agree that it's uh, Texans are passed, but just uh, don't know if I want to plug my nose with you is kind of what it comes down to. So um, you had one more thing to add? No, it is. It, no, no, it's just it's a it's a tough spot to be. in. I, I just think you have to. Yeah, I think you have to play with the Texans for sure. Well, I certainly wish you the best of luck. Let's move <laughs> forward and go to. The U.S. Bank Stadium, where uh, one of the other more intriguing games in the early window sees the Green Bay Packers travel to Minneapolis to take on one of their arch rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay, a short two-point road favorite in this game. Total in this game is sitting at 49. And, Alex, you know, this is everything we like about the Vikings. It's Cousins at 1 o'clock Eastern time. That's when his results have been the best. And, you know, it's Mike Zimmer is at home dog. We saw the Seahawks early in early in the year get shut out in the second half by that Mike Zimmer defense. Seattle short two point home dog winning that game outright. Um, 
you know, they were a short dog in the same price range the following week against Cleveland and didn't get it done. But U.S. Bank Stadium historically has been a little bit of an underrated home field advantage in the NFL. And again, it just feels like such a trap. You only got to give two points with Green Bay. Rodgers is back. Packers win going away last week against Seattle. All's well in Packerland. And yet here they are only laying two against Minnesota, who's still under 500. It certainly does feel a little fishy. I think I ultimately have to stay away just because it feels like on a week-in, week-out basis, you just have no idea what you're getting with this Minnesota team. I mean, they've been in so many ridiculously close and competitive games. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is such a such a tough tough it's it's quarterback like, to play right but, he's a tough quarterback to handicap but at the bottom line he is but then you, then you look at it he's 18 touchdowns to two Zimmer at home as a dog you're all he always gets that defense up yeah i think you have to play the vikings here i think that's the only spot to play yeah, it's yeah just, I it's agree so that it's the only way you can look, but I just, I mean, this is a Vikings team that lost to Cooper Rush. You know, it's a Vikings team that then goes and beats right, the Right, at home. Yeah. You know, like, it's just yeah. a they're, weird team. They're just, they're begging us. They're begging us to take the Packers, right? Oh, yeah, you can't where play you have to. It is 100% a trap. It's it's just begging. Yeah, it's begging. I, I mean... Kirk Cousins, this is his spot. This is where Which he's going to go for his four touchdowns. Does anyone like oh, one o'clock Eastern on Sunday more than Kirk Cousins? That's saying something. No. You know? <laughs> right. This, this is his spot to go off for four touchdowns. Let's Easy. go out to Sin City. So, so you're on the Vikings, though. Oh, absolutely. You have to play them here. Let's go out to Vegas where the Raiders are hosting the Cincinnati Bengals first of three games in the late window on Sunday. Alex, the Raiders just pick them here. We were thinking Cincinnati might be pretty public. Bengals coming out of a bye. Bengals aren't, you know, necessarily the public bandwagon that the Chiefs might be or some other team with, uh, you know, a stud quarterback. But I think feel like everybody in the country everybody in the everybody that likes football likes joe burrow and you know jamar chase and and him have that connection chase is probably gonna coast to the offensive rookie of the year award when all, all right said does, done. does this feel like like this feels and like better, better have, quarterback better better defense that, better right, exactly and then you have the raiders who everybody saw sunday night football like just it. it's their yeah. asses kicked by the kansas yeah. city you should like do not put at all I pass it because I don't think I can trust the Raiders, but I would be leery of Cincinnati here because it is still a Bengal team. Like, do we trust them yet to go on the road and win a game against a team like the Raiders who say what you want about them. The Raiders are still in playoff contention here. It's not like their season's over despite getting blown out by Kansas City. But I I don't really know what I'm getting with the Raiders with everything that they've dealt with, with the Gruden stuff and Henry Ruggs and, you know, now. Prime it's just too much. It's too week. many. It's too many things to 
lot There's of too many things, things to handicap. Raiders have for been sure. one of the trickier teams to handicap because all throughout that, you know, I think it was the first game after the Gruden stuff. They go to Mile High and kick the crap out of Denver, and it's just been up and down. Then they lose to the Giants on the road. Like it's just been weird with the Raiders this season, particularly the last four or five weeks. Pass for me, uh, but I do think the Bengals are in a sense a trap of their own. On we roll to the Pacific Northwest where the Seattle Seahawks welcome in the Arizona Cardinals in an NFC West clash. Game is up at some shops with Arizona a short favorite on the road. So certainly that would indicate that Kyler Murray will return, but uh, we don't really know as we record uh, late on a Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Total in this game is at 48. Alex, with this all this uncertainty for Kyler and Arizona having gotten its butts kicked last week by Carolina, I was thinking you probably just have to wait and see because the variance is pretty high with the non-Kyler Cardinals. We saw them win on the road against San Francisco a couple weeks ago and then last week lose convincingly at home against Carolina. So I would think Seattle, if Kyler does play, uh, would be the only way you can look, just based on maybe a little rust for Kyler. But gosh, Seattle, they really don't look good right now. So uh, how how bad did how bad did Russ look? But maybe that's why you fade Arizona this week because I, I know it's different it injuries, so, but it so Russ bad, looked dude. terrible coming back. And yeah, it was it was hard to watch and. The, the pins in his throwing I ultimately pass this game, but yeah, land on a side. like I, I mean, Seattle's the only side you could play, but I also think there's no way you could play right now. Right. Like, there's just way too much uncertainty with the uh, Seattle just as a football team, Dude. and then Arizona with the <laughs> Quarterback. It was so, the first time. It was the first time he was ever shut out in his entire career. Yeah. Last week. Sure. Yeah. That that doesn't surprise me at all when you say that. I did not know that, but uh, hearing that certainly comes as no surprise. So it it kind of sucks. Like this should be a huge game, and it just one team's got yeah, a when, backed up quarterback, like and the, the other team's just this is back. like the game. Right? Wouldn't this be so fucking exciting if they were actually both healthy? Feels like the game of the year. Yeah, and instead it just is this run-of-the-mill game in the late window that the home team isn't even that good, and and it's just weird. So, (laughs) yeah. I know you'll be in Seattle. Are you going to go to this game? I'm not. I wish I. I tried to talk my girlfriend into this. We're going to the uh, the Kraken game. That's right. Sunday yeah, that's night. the same. Kraken versus the Caps, yeah. There you go. So certainly should be pretty cool to see the new arena out there in Seattle for the team on the ice. Let's go to the Midwest where the Kansas City Chiefs and Dallas Cowboys in what is undoubtedly the most highly anticipated game on the Week 11 card. The Kansas City Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, total of 56. Alex, you like the Cowboys. I actually think the under is kind of interesting here on the basis that this 
feels like it is just Kansas City's back. Offense was humming. And, you know, they're going to drop 35-40 on Dallas. And I just can't get there. Dallas's defense is no longer the, you know, laughingstock Swiss Keys defense that it has been in seasons prior. And for what it's worth, Kansas City, I know that the defense for the Chiefs really was much maligned early in the season. Last couple of weeks, albeit two weeks ago, was against Jordan Love. But last week against Vegas on the road in a hostile environment, the defense showed out pretty well for the Chiefs. So I think they're finding something a little bit there with Spagnolo and that defensive unit. The Dallas defense, I think, continues to improve. And quite frankly, again, let's not overreact here. It was... Not that long ago in which we were all very, the whole nation was wondering what the hell is going on with this Kansas City offense. I'm not so sure they're back just yet. I think it's an interesting contrarian under. And I think a lot of that angle would also lend itself towards Dallas having been the more consistent offense, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I I do lean the under as well. And I think that leans towards the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys can run the ball very well. And keep this game very close. I think they're going to win this game outright. But the Kansas City Chiefs, they can get gashed on the ground. So I think that would lean to the under. So I think the Cowboys are going to run the ball very well and keep this game close. And probably win outright and just keep it on the ground with Zeke and just make it a on-the-ground game and Kansas City can't really run the ball right now. So we saw last week they, they got in a lot of third and eight, third and ten. It and does seem like making big plays back. Yeah, I think I think Hitler is definitely back. And I just I think the Dallas is gonna just keep this game close on the ground. I think that would lean well to the under. What well, Dallas and you have respect, which across the league, we would think there still is a lot of respect for the Kansas City offense. And so with that said, um, yeah, like you said, when you got Zeke, it does kind of make sense for a team going into Arrowhead to try and establish the run and and take it from there. So I also think- we, we've seen we've seen these like we've seen these Chiefs games just go sneaky unders. Right. Throughout the entire season. Because the Chiefs offense has been so inconsistent. And they're, they're damn, they just they give up and running yards. Yeah, I, I I think this is a great spot to be under, for sure. Let's go to Sunday Night Football, where it is your Pittsburgh Steelers. We said we'd circle back to the black and gold. They are going to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. And certainly the number indicates that it's going to be another Mason Rudolph start as the Chargers are a five and a half point home favorite total of 47. Uh, And it's going to be very public, but, uh, you know, sometimes every now and again, it's hip to be square as the great Huey Lewis song goes. So having said that, (laughs) great song, pump pump that in. That's a Um, great song. Having said that, Alex, uh, you like uh, the Chargers. You have to. You you just have to. You, I know I I played the fucking Sears fight song last week. 
<laughs> yeah, I think we can say that you had a role in that bad performance. I was gonna say that was probably the worst. That was the worst week to play it. And then this, it's just it's it has to be Chargers or pass. Make it Fitzpatrick is out. Big Ben. You would think the urgency is there. Chargers too, coming off of a pretty bad home loss against Minnesota in a division in the AFC West where. You lose back-to-back games, it carries a little more weight. Oh, absolutely, right? That's arguably both these divisions are very tight. So it's definitely win or go home for either team. But, yeah, I think Micah Fitzpatrick is out. T.J. Watt is all the COVID stuff as well. It's it's definitely a, a tough spot for the Steelers traveling across the country. It, Big Ben, you know it, and you know what you're getting from Mason Rudolph. It's it's not even a a competent offense. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it's hard to watch. It's been we were talking about it the other night, three four years now of this Mason Rudolph, Josh Dobbs, Duck Hodges. Dwayne Haskins, whoever you throw out there, and it, it has not right. mattered if it's not bad. It's not bad. bad. It, 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 it's really not not even competent football. It It's really bad. And and also the, the offensive line is a bunch of rookies, so it's it's really tough for Najee to get going and you throw a backup quarterback in there. And like you were saying with We've seen these guys go for four years, and it's just not good. Yeah. See, Mason Rudolph, it, it's, I mean, he's, he's throwing it long. He's throwing it short. He's, he can't make a and as you said, with some of the injuries on bad. defense, then it's like, well, what are the Steelers hanging their heads on? Right. There's nothing. Yeah. I mean, because we saw them get absolutely torched by the Bears, who are the worst the worst passing game in the NFL, and they threw up like 300 yards. And if you're going to do that, then there's there's literally nothing to hang your hat on. There's nothing. Well, let's wrap things up on that end with another primetime game as the New York Giants travel to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And the Giants are a hefty Monday night football road dog again, as we saw them catching 10 on the road at Arrowhead a few weeks back, and here they are catching 11.5 in this one, total of 50 as the Giants take on the defending Super Bowl champions. And you know what? Uh, I don't lay big numbers often, but I'm pretty close to doing it with Tampa Bay here. 44% of the tickets, but 84% of the cash is on Tampa Bay per the Action Network. I think it makes an awful lot of sense. You have a mad Tom Brady a mad Bruce Arians over their offense. And it's a Giants team that, you know, let's be honest, there have been some ups lately, having beaten Carolina, beaten the Raiders. And, you know, are they are they getting better? Are they playing harder? I, I don't know. And Danny Dimes kind of yeah, his spot knows, right? as the role. This is the spot we love. We love right. this spot. Right. We love Danny Dimes on the road. But Giants like, coming out of a bye. But I just think the 
the Buccaneers, like I just think the Giants are are just in the line of fire here, and and the Bucks will just blow the guns and keep firing because they just you would know better having been in that market. I'm not sure how much of the game you watched, but it really seemed like Tampa just didn't have it at all offensively last week. I don't see that happening two weeks in a row. So I lean pretty strongly to the big home chalk. Yeah, I hate to take that, especially with Danny Dimes on the road, but we we see Tampa at home. Tampa at home is a way different beast. Especially in their, you know, they got beat pretty, pretty soundly in Washington. You know, it was pretty embarrassing. You know, you saw the coach call out Tom Brady, kind of. Yeah, I think the the only way you have to exactly leave your, not where the Bucks respond. Exactly, and it's so weird because yeah. we like <laughs> we like that's Danny all there is Dimes to it. I mean, it's road. an eleven and a half point. I'm surprised this is Monday Night Football, but we did see a competitive Monday Night Football game between these two teams in 2020, albeit that one at MetLife Stadium. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven on Gambling Twitter, or excuse me, on Gambling Twitter. He runs our podcast account at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg for my gambling picks. This has been Full Slate Week 11 of the NFL edition. Alex, thanks a lot for hopping aboard. And uh, we are planning on having an episode for everybody on Friday to tune in with Bill Christie for some college football plays as well as we get into the nitty-gritty last month of the college football regular season. Alex, thanks a lot, my man. Yeah, buddy. Good to talk to you. He's Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank. Everybody enjoy NFL Week 11. And as always, please... Play responsibly.